The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Squawk Box. I'm Karen Show with Arabile Gamedi. The stock markets here in Europe have just opened up for trade. And let's take a look at some big numbers for you. Don't forget, we're picking up on a rebound day from the US stock markets. We saw stocks sell off, snapping that nine-day winning streak, a fairly vicious sell-off a day earlier. But it was a rebound session that unfolded yesterday. And we pick up on that green as we run into the markets today. And don't forget the last trading day before Christmas, last full day of trade. And as we take a look at these markets we are seeing fairly muted ranges but we are sliding into the red at the start a little bit red a little bit of green very festive uh, christmas colors but we've of course got the market just a little bit soggy at this hour don't forget yesterday we had a modest dip so the markets responded to that u.s sell-off which was in the range of one to one and a half percent we're selling to the tune of roughly two tenths of a percent on the benchmark so it was a very contained reaction that we had here in europe this morning in reaction to the green also, we're not getting much in the way of movement. So as you can see, we're not straying too far from that flat line. Let's take a look at various different parts of this market. Still a lot of news flow around. We are not exactly just wandering quietly into the Christmas break. There's the PCE out later today, stateside. The market's watching that closely. Big tech news out of the Chinese markets today and UK data as well we've been watching this morning. So if we look at markets as we open up, we've got just a handful of names in the green. Oil and gas at the top, household goods at the bottom. We're seeing a drop of about half of a percent. Don't forget this sector has been plumped up this year. Big luxury names, investors have been uh, in and out of some of these stocks. There's been a lot of trading windows for some of these big names like Burberry, LVMH, uh, some of these stocks starting out on the back foot today. Retail too in uh, the final stages as we get towards Christmas. Retail numbers showing us a little bit of weakness. H&M next, two underperformers, both down more than 1% and dragging the basket back. Travel and leisure, we've given up about a quarter of 1%. Real estate stocks trade down. Food and drink, giving up about a quarter of 1%. Technology, two tenths down. We are seeing some weakness in the industrials basket, but only just below the flat line. From there, we start to creep high, and you can see construction financials now sliding positive along with media names. WPP, Pearson's are positive in the basket of media stocks. Autos, BMW, Porsche, Volkswagen, Renault, Stellantis, a lot of the big names trading positive this morning, Mercedes as well. We've got banking names up two tenths of a percent, led by Sabadell, Sockgen also in the green, and BNP Paribas trading positive. Telcos, improving performance here, Telia, Orange, uh, Telefonica, Ericsson, all towards the upside. Oil and gas, though, the top performer. Don't forget as we take stock of this week. Lots of mounting concerns still around Red Sea shipping and the disruptions we're facing there thanks to the Houthi attacks. That has put a bid back in for some of the oil trades and over the course of the trading week for the energy stocks, now up a third of a percent for the Friday session. Let's take a look at the bourses. We are 7680, so we've uh, managed to pull back by about two tenths of a percent. The FTSE has broken a three-day winning streak yesterday, so we're now looking at a second day of losses. The market, as you can see, was uh, trading up, uh, according to uh, this week, by 1.5% has been the game we've seen. So we're giving back a little bit of that positivity on the UK stock market that has been in catch-up mode all week. We've seen the other major markets, though, in the opposite direction. A lot of weakness around for German stocks and also for the French market. Negative for the trading week, not helping out this morning as we look at these ranges. The uh, periphery, though, perched higher, so picking up on a little bit of green. 
just modest upbeat action, about 19 points on Italian stocks. And you can see the SMI trading a little bit weaker. Let's push on to Nike. The early stages of the trade in Frankfurt today, the stock is done heavily, double digit decline. It's cut its revenue outlook for the full fiscal year, now expecting growth of around 1% that is down from the mid single digits. The company revealed plans to cut costs by $2 billion over the next three years, saying it still expects to hit its earnings goals. And a look at the uh, big EU retailers as a result. We've got Adidas and Puma, both of those stocks down. Don't forget, Nike was talking about the consumer and some uh, uncertainty they're seeing in the consumer habits impacted uh, too, you've got to say, in the same vein. Adidas and Puma, if they are seeing those uh, same consumer traits in the same category of offerings. So both of them trading lower. Let's move on to Apple. The company has halted sales of two of its Apple Watch models in the United States. CBC checks have shown. The move comes in response to orders from the International Trade Commission in October that found the blood oxygen sensor in the devices infringed on intellectual property from medical technology company Massimo. So the stock today just modestly weaker, down a third of a percent. Uh, let's circle back to the UK and the big news uh, that came out this morning. UK economic performance has been revised downward for the second and third quarters coming in at minus 0.1% for the period July to September versus a previous estimates of a flatline result. Second quarter growth has now been recorded as flat after the initial reading came in at 0.2% higher. So big question is whether we're already now skirting with recession here in the UK. On gilt markets, we've already had progress thanks to their very tame inflation report this week. So we are hugging that 4% handle on yields as we dip this morning. Uh, on the two-year, the 10-year, we are around the 3.5% level. Retail sales, they did come in higher than expected in November, notching a 1.3% increase on the month. Sales growth came in at 0.1% higher on the year versus expectations of a 1.3% decline, so slightly better than those expectations. Tesco, the only bright spot this morning. We've got a give back in B&M and uh, M&S slightly down, AB Food down about nine-tenths of a percent. A check on Sterling thanks to that declining yield story as well. Don't forget there's been weakness in the dollar trade this week. And you can see as a result uh, that is keeping us fairly steady this morning despite the GDP revision with 126.93 in early trade. Arabile. Let's stay with that UK story, right? And Chancellor Jeremy Hunt has described the financial services agreement between the UK and Switzerland as groundbreaking, saying it would allow firms in both countries to invest with certainty. Speaking at a press conference with his Swiss counterpart, Hunt said he hopes the deal can be a framework for agreements with other countries. I think it's a signal to all other countries that we are open to doing deals that boost choice and competition. We think boosting choice and competition is uh, mutually beneficial with other countries. We're always open to measures that will do that. And um, we think this, this new approach that we've taken in this trade deal, uh, in this uh, mutual recognition agreement, is a way that can remove a lot of the traditional difficulties in coming to agreements with other countries because it essentially says that um, through the deference principle uh, that we are open to the idea of allowing uh, companies from other countries to operate in the UK following the rules of different countries and so we think that's a, a very exciting new approach. Now, James Gorman is in his final days as Morgan Stanley CEO before he retires from the position at the end of the year. Squawk on the Street's David Faber sat down with him for an exclusive conversation and asked him how he sees his time at the helm.
as an institution, as I look back on it, it was more just how do you go from uh, f- survival, fragility, healing, um, you know, balanced, and then strong. And each of those have almost been different jobs along the journey. And right now, we're strong. Luca Pallini is with us, Chief Strategist, Picte Asset Management. Uh, Luca, congratulations, one of the few people in the city today. He's <laughs> <laughs> asked with the gallery team and we've got Jordan out there in the newsroom, but that's about it pretty much. Okay. But that said, there's a lot of news happening and we saw it across the UK this morning. To the downside is what uh, the momentum is showing us. We haven't got as much growth as we thought we had in the UK. How concerning is that for the Bank of England heading into next year? Well, clearly the uh, UK economy is in stagnation. I think we talk about recession. The reality is that there is no growth. Is we are more in a stagnation phase. Inflation is falling rapidly. So I think the Bank of England is under pressure to deliver uh, a few cuts. But I think the market is probably a little bit too optimistic about uh, how many cuts the uh, uh, Bank of England can deliver next year. So in that sense, I think the market is probably too optimistic, given that inflation is still relatively high. And, you know, we're talking about stagnation, not a recession. So I think the Bank of England has to be a little bit cautious. Well, inflation is higher than still other jurisdictions. It is coming down. We saw that in the latest data set. On the back of that, HSBC was saying to us, look, it's going to be August before we see a rate cut. Others in the market think it's going to happen before then. What are your expectations on the timing of the first cut and when it gets signaled to the market? I mean, realistically, it's going to be June. Uh, I don't think it's going to be before that. I don't think, though, it makes a big difference if it's May or September. I think it's important to highlight that as long as inflation is going in the right direction, the Bank of England will cut, but I suspect they will not be happy or ready to cut more than the market expects right now. Yeah, if, if, the, if, if we're seeing rates or the signaling even happening just from June, will then the issue be the extent of those rate cuts throughout the rest of the year, or will it just be the signaling as to what it is they plan to do, how they hope to get the economy? Because fact is, as you said, stagnation. It could get even worse next year. That's, that's the issue, right? I think we always think that a recession is going to be very mild, it's going to be short, and then there is always something happening that makes it much, much worse. I have to say for the UK, we are not expecting anything terrible, but it's also fair to say that, again, with interest rate that high, you know, even a few cuts can help the consumers very, very significantly, probably more than the US. So I think it's very important for the Bank of England to deliver at least a few cuts. Yeah, I, I mean, that normalization, though, is going to be one that, they, I mean, it's going to have to thread a tight needle here. We're saying that there's going to be, they're looking for growth somehow, and it may not necessarily be their, their mandate per se, but that's a consideration, right? You don't want to run the economy into the ground, but at the same time, you have to maintain fiscal, uh, a clear sense of, of discipline then when it comes to these rates. Um, how much of this is going to make the BOE consider on, a, on, on an everyday note that inflation needs to come down, but 2% may be a little bit harder. It's that last mile that everyone gets worried about. Yeah, but let's not forget that the Bank of England has made quite a few mistakes in the past, I mean, uh, has been unable to meet the inflation target for quite a long time. So I think 2% is very important, but if there are signs that the economy is going to recession, they will cut aggressively, even when inflation is above 2%. Can I ask you about the U.S. markets and the difference we're now seeing between that and the European markets? Because we've had a very strong rally. We saw a sell-off. We saw a bounce back. European markets seem to have more flatlined going into year-end. So real break in sentiment. What do you read into the tea leaves on that? Well, we actually think that European uh, equities will do better than the U.S. next year. Um, And the reason is that uh, the U.S. economy 
is resilient, but I think it's going to slow down quite significantly. While in Europe, we see at least some signs of stabilization. So what matters for market is the direction of growth, not the level of growth. And I do believe that the valuation, the fact that European growth may surprise on the upside, should make your, uh, European equities quite attractive for, for, for investors next year. Yeah, continuing to see them being attractive throughout the years, a sentiment that we also saw uh, even at the beginning of this year, saying it's still cheap, still, you know, there is still some movement that is possible there. Look, Luca, we're still going to continue our chat with you as well uh, in just a moment. But for now, though, uh, we'll head on over to another story that is coming up, of course, AI being the breakout tech disruptor of the year. But what can we expect then uh, from 2024? We'll look at the year ahead next. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. A big curveball out of China today. It's announced fresh restrictions around online gaming, sending shares in Tencent and NetEase sharply lower in Asian trade. The move will enforce a spending limit for online games and will also curb a reward system for frequent and prolonged use. That's hitting the likes of Ubisoft here in Europe today, trading lower after sinking as much as 8% of the open, while Process has hit the bottom of the stock 600 down about 15%. And a look at the overall Hong Kong market. Don't forget the narrative has been that uh, we were seeing a loosening up of restrictions on some of these tech players, and this has changed the narrative again. So it's impacted the wider Hong Kong market. We're traveling down by about 1.7%. Not helping out what has been a bleak performance year to date. Uh, the stock market has been one of the underperformers globally, uh, very much unable to catch a bid at any point. And you can see that continual decline, even with other major markets in rally mode in recent months, it has not picked up any steam and you can see over the course of the year double digit decline 17 percent down versus uh, gains we've had what stateside on the likes of the S&P 500 up 23.6 percent uh, worst comparison Nasdaq up 42 percent versus that 17 percent down yeah big declines there well from tech wars to crypto CNBC is exploring the top tech trends which uh, we can expect to see next year Arjun Kapal filed this report 2024 is expected to be another big year for the tech industry with excitement around artificial intelligence front and center, but potential scrutiny on tech giants from regulators likely to continue. So let's run through the big themes we're expecting in 2024. Without a doubt, artificial intelligence will continue to dominate the tech landscape. There'll be continued rapid development of the foundational models that underpin many of the applications we use today, such as ChatGPT. Tech giants in both the US and China will continue the arms race already underway. As well as making models more sophisticated, tech firms will focus on making them smaller so they can run on devices like a smartphone, therefore unlocking new applications. While the US and then China dominate the AI space, some of Europe's most promising startups will look to challenge the dominant AI players with AI models of their own. 
On the chip front, NVIDIA will likely maintain its leading position, but a new AI semiconductor from AMD will introduce new competition. After a big run in 2023 for firms like NVIDIA and Microsoft, investors will be looking for the hottest companies to back in 2024. With the explosion of AI, regulators globally, but especially in the US and Europe, will continue their scrutiny of tech giants. A big focus will be on the EU's AI Act and how that is implemented. While in the US, all eyes will be on the Federal Trade Commission and its chair, Lena Khan, and any actions the agency takes against big tech. One of those is the antitrust complaint against Amazon, for example. And AI will continue to get swept up in the tech war between the US and China. Washington has already put curbs on the export of certain semiconductors to China. That tightening of restrictions could continue as the two superpowers battle it out for tech supremacy. The big question is, will Beijing retaliate against US firms operating in China like Apple or Tesla? Speaking of Tesla, electric cars will also be a big focus. 2023 was marked by a price war, sparked by Tesla across major EV players. Tesla has had a big rally this year as investors continue to see it as a front runner in the EV race. But Chinese players like BYD and startups such as NIO and Xpeng will look to challenge Tesla's dominance both in China and abroad in 2024. Finally, crypto. After a massive rally in 2023, crypto executives are bullish on 2024 and have called the start of the new bull run. The last time Bitcoin hit an all-time high was November 2021, where it almost touched $69,000 per coin. With the Bitcoin halving, a potential Bitcoin ETF being approved and hopes of less aggressive monetary tightening from the central banks, there are many betting on the rally in Bitcoin continuing. Arjun Karpal. CNBC Business News. Now on a programming note, catch our interview with ARK Invest CEO and CIO Kathy Wood. That's coming up on The Exchange. That's happening at 7 CET. Luca Pallini staying with us, Chief Strategist, Pick Day Asset Management. Uh, let me pick up on a couple of points here. We're actually just talking about tech and AI. We know that the Magnificent Seven has been all dominant over the course of this year. Does next year bring any change in fortunes or are we just in the foothill story so AI gets uh, further accelerated through next year? No, I don't think so. I think at some point, I think companies that are in this kind of area, this business, they have to deliver on earnings. I think that's, that's a big question mark. I think the story is very strong. I think it's a secular theme that will continue. The, the, the question is, can obviously these companies deliver the returns that, that, that we have seen this year? I think the, the answer is no. Uh, we see much more value elsewhere than in tech uh, for, for next year. It's not going to be Hong Kong tech, is it? I mean, we've just, no. heard, we've just heard today <laughs> the regulators are all over the space again. We thought we did this a couple of years back, but now they've circled back looking at gaming and these are tech plays that have gaming uh, parts of the business. So how challenging is that? Well, that, that tells you that when you think about China, I think China is investable still, but it's very, very difficult because you have basically very, very low growth. The government is kind of ignoring, I think, the, the weakness of the economy. And, and I think valuations cheap are probably not cheap enough uh, for, for the time being. So I think uh, for, for the emerging market, the story is slightly different, but for China, it's still a very difficult market to, to, to invest in right now. Mm. I, I wanted to go back on that tech story as well, particularly the likes of NVIDIA, I mean, which really have been priced as pretty much the most important uh, company in the world, almost effectively, in, in, in some ways. Does that, does that story continue? I mean, uh, nearly 3x. Uh, kind of growth this year is is really unfounded. I mean, that continuation into next year, as you said, is probably going to have to be about now proving that it makes sense, right? That 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 investment into it. 
do the likes of NVIDIA, even the Tesla, um, continue to, to, to rise as they have next year? I think the question here is that, again, the, the team is still there. The ability to deliver on earnings is very, very different. We have seen this also in the tech bubble, right? So there was a big story, but the ability to deliver was actually different. I think the market is also kind of expecting significant rate cuts and normally these companies tend to benefit from that. So there is an element of, uh, you know, AI, but there is also a macro story that is supported. But for us, it's going to be different next year. That's why we think that the value is elsewhere. Uh, for, for 2024. Mm, I want to touch, maybe if I can, also on Apple. If you, if, I mean, they still haven't brought us anything new since about 2016 or so. And yet, you know, it's still a stock that is continuing to, to climb. Is there going to be a, a, a slight pullback perhaps on that? Only because, one, you look at the, the Apple Watch story now, which is a little bit, maybe a little bit concerning only for a little while. But overall, they're going to need something new and innovative, don't, aren't they? Well, we have been seeing that for a long time. These are companies that are incredibly profitable. Uh, they have, in some areas, also more monopolistic power. I think is, 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 is they're still incredibly solid. The question for us as a strategist is, is the macro environment still supportive for, for tech stocks? And I think the answer for, for, for us is that it's going to be much more difficult next year than has been this year. Would you compare and contrast that to the bonds story? And you've written a lot in your piece around bonds into 2024. NVIDIA, the stock you've just mentioned, 240% uh, so far year to date. The likes of Tesla up 135% this year, Apple up 55% this year. In the context, and you explained to us that bonds could deliver a 7% return next year. You can get that almost in one big trading session in any three of these stocks. Yeah, but you have to bear in mind that, you know, for, for, for bonds, especially, have been a pretty horrendous kind of last five years. I think it's very important to highlight that with the economy, the economy and inflation going down, I think bonds will have a big boost. And I think some of the stocks have done exceptionally well this year. Also, because the US economy has been very strong, I think we probably struggle a little bit next year. You also then still have the fact that all of these are based on the consumer still having the ability as well to afford. And, and that takes me to the likes of, of, of Nike, which, you know, brought out their, you know, their restructuring plan then yesterday and the like as well. I mean, do you get a clear sense that the consumer will continue to be hit really hard next year, even though, yes, inflation drops off and they'll want to cut back on those, on those rates overall? But do you then see that the consumer gets a little bit better or does it get worse from here, do you think, for a consumer perspective? And then what that does, obviously, the stocks that you kind of invest in. I think for the U.S. it will get worse because it is true that, you know, inflation will fall, but the labor market is going to get a much weaker. Income is not actually rising that much. Yeah. And there is no pent-up demand because there's been a huge increase in demand on the consumer side in the last few years, something we haven't seen in Europe. So we're not talking about recession in the U.S., but a clear deceleration, especially in consumer spending, that will lead some of the most exposed stock in the sectors. Let's talk about Japan. It's certainly been a stunning year for the Nikkei 225, and uh, we started out the year at about uh, 25,000 points, so 25,800, and we've climbed all the way up to today's level to 33,100 plus. What does next year bring when the Bank of Japan, we know, are going to be way more active than they've been for many years? I mean, that's the, the script we're seeing already. What does it mean for the stock market? Well, for the stock market, I think it's important to highlight that this year has been very supportive because the yen obviously has been falling. The Japanese economy has been very resilient and the Japanese economy will continue to be resilient. But with the Bank of Japan effectively tightening monetary policy, we expect a much stronger yen. 
So for us, the idea of investing into Japan is also to have exposure to the yen in local currency terms. I don't think that Japan would do exceptionally well next year, but for a global investor, Japan still provide positive returns and diversification as well. What sort of strengthening in the yen are you anticipating? I mean, we've moved a little bit already when it comes to dollar yen rates. Uh, today's level, we're 142, and we're obviously we're around 145 plus in recent weeks. We can go to 130. I think it's important to highlight that the, the direction of the yen is dependent also on, on, on the global economy. And if you're right to believe that the U.S. economy will get much, much weaker, the yen will get a significant boost from there. Luca, thank you very much for joining us today and thanks for uh, giving and us some Christmas, festive everyone. cheer. <laughs> I was hoping someone would wear a red tie to match me today. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll do that next week, after Christmas maybe. <laughs> Luca, Merry Christmas to you and Merry Happy Christmas. New Year. Luca Paolini with us, Chief Strategist, Pick Day Asset Management. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com or join us again on the show with me, Steve Sedgwick, and Karen Cho, weekdays on CNBC.